a series called Who Jesus Is to Us. And uh, our foundational scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. We can get that up. We'll read it together. We're going to read this one every week. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. I got it, so I'll read it. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Is there anybody glad about that tonight? Those of you that were here last week, we got into wisdom from God. And uh, the, that was a blessing. If you uh, weren't here and need to catch up, you can grab a CD or uh, FCCpodcast.com. You can listen to f- for free to messages going back years. And that, that's a real blessing. And uh, uh, I use it. And many, many others use it. And if you haven't, that's a, that's a good way to feed yourself in between feeding times here in the house. Amen. But uh, we got into the wisdom of God last week. And of course, as I said to you, what we're doing is uh, for each one of the four Wednesday nights that we're ministering, we're going to take a different one of these each night. Wisdom was last week. Tonight we're going to do righteousness. And then uh, next week, sanctification. And on our final night, redemption. Uh, but but you got to understand that, that we're uh, really hitting highlights of these, you know, it's kind of like a seafood platter. You know what I'm saying? You don't get all the clams that you would usually get if you just order the clams by themselves, but you get enough of the clams to be able to say, I had some clams, you know, just what y'all needed some food talk tonight. But, uh, yeah, this is very much like the seafood platter. It's got some of this and got some of that, you know? Uh, so, so we're, uh, we could spend more than four weeks on each one of these, but uh, I, I believe this is a good direction to go to to really hit the highlights and understand who we are in Christ and understand who Christ has become to us. And uh, this is going to be a, a wonderful time tonight as we dig in to righteousness. Someone say righteousness. righteousness. What is that? Well, real simply, it's the, the condition that's acceptable to God. If you don't have that condition, then uh, you cannot stand before God. You don't have right standing before God because that's what righteousness is. It's right standing. So it's the condition which is acceptable to God. And you, you might look at it this way, that uh, uh, righteousness, uh, the, the road to get there, is the road to attaining a state approved of God. And someone might say, well, I've been trying to attain that a long time and and I don't feel like I've attained it very well. We see that's the problem as we're going to see tonight. We've been working for something that that we don't need to be working for, striving for something that that we don't need to be striving for. As a matter of fact, we're we're looking for... uh, uh, fruit where there's not been a root. When we understand the the root from which the fruit comes, we don't have to worry about the fruit. But if you're trying to bear fruit before the root, forget about it. You know, it's interesting how many of you, and, and I, I know I can testify to this, but I'm sure I'm not the only one. How many of you can testify that, that most of the time, when you heard about righteousness earlier in life and earlier in your Christian walk, and, and if, if you don't qualify to this, then praise the Lord, then you were taught well. But when, when I first started hearing about righteousness, these are the kind of verses that I got hammered with all the time. Romans 3. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. And when I heard that verse, it's like, yeah, I know that. I definitely know I'm not. And then the other verse out of the book of Isaiah, chapter 64, verse 6, but we are all like an unclean thing and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. And I'll tell you, those two verses, when I first heard about righteousness, that's what I heard. And I was well-schooled in both of those verses. And I knew that I wasn't righteous. And I knew that the righteousness I did have was that, just like filthy rags. And, And... if that's all you hear, you're hearing the problem 
but you're not hearing about what God did to fix the problem. So, you know, uh, early in my Christian life, before I was well taught the word, I was being taught that I had a problem. Hey, y'all, I knew I had a problem. Even at a young age, I knew I had a problem. I knew I wasn't right. I knew the people around me weren't right. I knew about the condition that we were in. So what I needed was not more reinforcement about that. I needed to know what is the answer to my filthy righteousness and the fact that there's nobody who really is righteous. And thank God for the gospel. I said, thank God for the gospel. Now, how important is the gospel? What, 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 what is the gospel in relation to this? Romans 1. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Next verse. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. For in what? In what? The gospel. So the it that's being referred to is back there in verse 16. It's the gospel. In the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now we're starting to get a a, a glimpse of good news here. Of course, the gospel is good news. But when you realize the sad state of your own righteousness, it, it makes your heart cry out. If only there was a way to get some righteousness that I could really benefit from and that could actually get me access to God, which is what I long for and desire. But with my own righteousness, I feel like the least qualified person to ever stand before him. Is there, is there a way that somebody as unqualified and as disqualified as me could ever be qualified? And here's the answer. Your righteousness could never, under any circumstances, attain to the level that needs to be attained to for you to approach God and have right standing before him. It is not possible. So let's just get that out of the way. If you were 99.9999999% and you just had that one little sliver, that one little sliver would do you in. Are you with me? But thank God, the righteousness of God is revealed through the gospel. The righteousness of God is revealed through the gospel. And it's revealed from faith to faith. I was thinking about that today. You know, we we hear that, we read that a lot, we talk about it a lot. But I thought, Lord, in this context, what does that mean? Faith to faith. And and I just heard inside, it's faith to initially receive it. And then faith to live by it once you got it. (laughs) And I thought, yeah, I can go with that. It's faith to receive it and faith to live by it when you got it. Glory to God. You know, it's interesting. Sometimes you can find little verses of that that are just treasures out of the Old Testament that that, uh, are uh, really, in a sense, almost speaking prophetically to to what's coming, to to the, the, the quality uh, uh, that, that we have now in this new and better covenant. Go ahead to, uh, to Job. You can put that one up. This is Job chapter 33, verse 26. Look at this. It says, he shall pray to God and he will delight in him. He shall see his face with joy for he restores to God and he will delight in him. He shall see his face with joy. For he restores to man his righteousness. 
Imagine you praying and the Lord saying, yeah, well, you think you're going to get anywhere with me today? But uh, you see how so, so many times when we approach the Lord, we, we, we think in human terms, we, we, we think of him uh, measuring us according to us. Well, thank God we ain't the measuring stick. I want you to know Jesus is the measuring stick. So when we come to God, rather than him saying, you don't measure up, imagine a scenario where he delights in you. And then the next line, he shall see his face with joy. Now, it's interesting. You can say, well, who's seeing whose face? Is the Lord seeing our face or are we seeing his face? And I figured out it doesn't matter because at that moment, we're both full of joy. Because he's glad to restore the righteousness to us and we're glad to have it restored. Hallelujah. But then that last line there, for he restores to man his righteousness. And I like, I know capitalization is not anointed, ordained of God. It's up to the discretion of the people doing the translation. But I'm glad that that his is capitalized because I don't believe God's restoring to me my righteousness. I believe God's restoring to me his righteousness because I don't need mine. I need his. And in the gospel, it's not my righteousness that's revealed. It's the righteousness of God that's revealed. Hallelujah. Now, you know what? Let's uh, let's talk about this. There's a reference in Isaiah 54:17 where God says, uh, uh, "Their righteousness is from me." There, there, there's the Old King James Bible actually says, "Their righteousness is of me." So, so w- what we're going to do is we're going to start looking through the Word and, and and look at this idea of the righteousness of God. Does it just come up a few times or is this a very common theme throughout the word where you continually see this thought of the righteousness of God, the right standing of God? You know, God's got right standing. I mean, you know, he got the best standing of all. He, he, he's got perfect credit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> His rating is as, as good as you can get. Now, now imagine this. Imagine that you can stand on God's rating. See, that's what this is about. Because our rating, you can call up the spiritual experience company. Your rating's not good. My rating's not good. We can go to freespiritualcredit.com and find out that your rating's not good. But God's rating. See, that's why the term the righteousness of God is so important. And why we're going to emphasize that and see it over and over here tonight in the word. Because that's what this is about. This is not about refurbished righteousness. This is not remodeled righteousness. This is about your righteousness and my righteousness, which wasn't cutting it and wasn't working out, being totally out the picture, and us having downloaded into us and downloaded into our account the very standing, the very rating as we've messed around with here tonight. The righteousness of God. Hallelujah. Now, 2 Corinthians 5.21 One of the most amazing statements in the whole Bible. 2 Corinthians 5.21. And it says that for he who made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Once again, for he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's because we don't think of Jesus in terms of sin. Because he's the one who knew no sin. 
That's why it makes you say, hey, when you read that Jesus was made sin. The one who did not know any sin, never committed sin, was made to be sin for me. So that me, who was well acquainted with sin, who was very proficient and professional at sinning, would become the righteousness of God in him. You know, the uh, end part of Philippians 3.9 says this. Paul said, he said, I'm not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. So he said, I'm not having my own righteousness from trying to keep the law and trying to be a good doobie. But no, my righteousness, my right standing... My, uh, uh, my being able to approach God like I actually belong in the room mm, is not from the law or having anything to do with trying to keep the law and uh, measure up to something, but it's based on the righteousness which is from God and how on earth can you ever get that so we realize here that our righteousness can't buy you anything so we need god's righteousness well how do you get that well the bible makes it clear the righteousness of god is accessible to us by faith by faith now the we hear that and we nod our head and say amen. But imagine somebody coming up to you and telling you, this is yours. And all you got to do to access it is believe it. I mean, you know the way our minds work. We'd say, oh, yeah, tell me all about it. All I got to do is believe it, and I'll have access to that. Well, here's God telling you that you can have access to right standing with him. Not, not a different righteousness from his, but literally the very, the very same righteousness as he is. His rating. And that that can be yours and all you got to do for it to be yours is believe it. And really, on paper, it's yours whether you believe it or not. But for you to experience it, all you have to do is believe it. Someone say, God's not complicated. <laughs> Check this out, Romans 3. Glory to God. Let's keep on going on this. Romans 3. We'll start with verse 21. And it says, but now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed. The righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Now, before we go on to the next verse, let me read uh, a few different renderings of that verse there. One, one of them says, but now, not by the law, but by another way, God's righteousness is brought to light. Another rendering of that same verse says, but now God's way of giving man right standing with himself has come to light, a way without connection to the law. Glory to God. I'm glad about it. Now, verse 22. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. Now that line there, there is no difference. Most people would referring to no difference between Jews and Gentiles. That everybody had the same problem. And everybody needed the problem fixed the same way. 
Can I hear an amen? Amen. Uh, Verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's what the problem was. Verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. Now, verse 26. To demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. I love that last verse there. That God's demonstrating his righteousness. Letting everybody know that he's just. That he's doing things right. He's doing things above board. He's doing things in a righteous way. And also that he is the justifier or the one who is making righteous those who have faith in Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, another rendering of verse 26 that I love is this. That he, God, might be righteous, even when declaring righteous him that has faith in Jesus. That God would be righteous even when declaring righteous him that has faith in Jesus. In other words, that God would be righteous even when he declared Ray Zimberlin righteous. And that he did it in a way that is perfectly legal, perfectly right, no cutting corners, that God has legally made me righteous and nobody can speak to him against it. Nobody can say, hey, wait a minute, how did you make him righteous? Did you cut any corners to do that? Did, did you did, did you do something sneaky to do that? But in a perfectly legal, perfectly forever settled kind of way. He has made me righteous. Nobody can ever question his righteousness about making me righteous because he did it in a righteous way. Someone say, totally righteous, dude. Come on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now, so this righteousness comes to you by faith. So let's dig a little bit more. And say, well, where's this ultimate culmination of, of how I get this? How my faith actually connects me to righteousness? And that's why we're going to go to Romans 10 now. Romans chapter 10. Starting with verse 6, which says, but the righteousness of faith. That's the righteousness of God that we access by faith. Speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend to heaven. That is to bring Christ down from above. Next verse. Or who will descend into the abyss. That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now this is wonderful. To think that the righteousness that comes by faith is not something you have to go somewhere and get or do something about. You don't have to ascend to try to find it somewhere. You don't have to descend to try to find it. You don't have to go anywhere to get it. This is as close to you as your mouth and your heart. 
And you got people, you, you know, the, the people in different parts of the world, that, that if you go to this certain mountaintop, it's up there. Yeah, you, you got to go up to the mountaintop. If you go up to the mountaintop, yeah, you you good. You got it. You all right. You got the status. You got the rating. But people who may make it to that mountaintop come down the mountain and still have the same rating. But here, the Bible is telling you that you don't have to ascend into heaven or descend into hell. You don't have to travel anywhere because you don't have to do something about it because somebody already did something about it. You don't have to go get it because somebody already went and got it for you. And as close to you as your mouth and your heart, confessing with your mouth the lordship of Jesus and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And with that act, with that decision, you become righteous with the very righteousness of almighty God. Now, Let's go a little further with this. Let's understand this is God's righteousness. It is accessible by faith. There's no other way to get it, but by faith it is accessible to you. You receive it. There's no other way to receive it. The only way to receive it is you just simply believe it. Oh yeah, God, you said that? Okay. You know, wouldn't that be great for us to just treat faith that way? Where God would say something and we just say, okay. Rather than try to figure it out and and saying, what if this and thinking about 10,000 scenarios that might not work and what about this and what about that? What if you just said, okay, come on. Glory to God forever. And, and so why is this put in a way where we can just simply receive it by faith? Because he's not making you buy it. You can't buy it. He's not making you work for it. You can't work enough in your lifetime and everybody else's to work hard enough to get it. So that's why we're going to look at Romans 5. Hey, hallelujah. Romans 5, starting with verse 15. Here we go. But the free gift, we'll find out what this free gift is. The free gift is not like the offense. For by the one man's offense, many died, much more the grace of God and the gift. Oh, we're talking about a gift here. By the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ abounded to many. Next verse, 16. And the gift, more talk about the gift, is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift, there's all this gift talk going on here, which came from many offenses resulted in justification. Verse 17, for if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life. Through the one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. So you got free gift, gift, free gift, free gift. But then verse 17 told you what the gift is, that this is talking about the gift of righteousness. Why is it that you can just say to God, okay, you said it, I believe it. That's it. Why is it that Receiving is a gift. And besides that, if you got to work for it, it's not a gift. But just in case there was any confusion, the Bible used a little extra terminology there and called it a free gift. 
I mean, if I need to pay for it, I'm going to call it a gift anyway. You know what I'm saying? But, but just in case there was any thought or confusion about it, I love that the Bible is so straightforward with this to say free gift, free gift. That means you don't got to pay nothing for it. It's been paid for. Glory to God. Now listen to this. I don't have this for the screen, but I, I want to read it to you. This is a little combination of uh, a few translations together that really shed light on uh, specifically verse 16 here. And I want to just read it to you. I want you to listen. What came through Jesus is not like what came through Adam. What came through Adam was forced onto all his descendants. And they had no choice in the matter. What came through Jesus is received voluntarily through faith. You want to know the difference between the first Adam and the last Adam? <laughs> there it is right there. Yeah, the first Adam got you in the mess and you had no say so in the matter at all. But the last Adam came to get us out of the mess and has given us some say so about it. You can choose to stay in the mess if you want to, but you don't have to. Now he continues, Adam's one offense brought judgment, which resulted in all of us being guilty. Jesus bore our many offenses so that we could receive his free gift and be declared not guilty. Hallelujah. Now, so... We, we see that this is not ours. This is God's own righteousness. The way you get it is by faith. It, it can be as simple as that because it's, it's free. And it's a gift. It's a free gift. But now, what does it, uh, what does it offer you? It offers you access to God. Righteousness gives us access. There are several verses that, that we don't have up for the screen, but I just want to share with you along these lines of having access to God. And, and, and this word access, as it's used in the scripture, talking about our access or approach to God or really talking about the, the relationship with God where, whereby we're accepted to him and we have assurance that he is favorably disposed toward us. Think about that. Access it's not just that I can get in, but, but it's a relationship whereby I know I'm acceptable to him and I've got the assurance that he's favorably disposed to me. I've got the assurance that he likes me. Hallelujah. He's favorable towards me. You know, Romans 5, 2 says that through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Someone say Access. Ephesians 2.18 says, for through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Ephesians 3.12 says, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. So we see this terminology, access, access, access. That when I come in to the throne room, that I'm not coming in as an intruder or someone who does not have credentials. Hey, come on now. I got my credentials. But the thing is, is that in this case, like, like you, you got your press credentials and you know, and where, where do you go to school at? Hmm? Go to school? What are you talking about? <laughs> what station you work at or what newspaper you work at what media outlet do you work at well, I don't work at any well how do you get press credentials because somebody who's got some made sure I have some hey you see what I'm saying so here's the thing you've got credentials you've got access you've got a way of getting into the throne of God that has absolutely nothing to do with you and somebody said, "Woo! what did you do to get to this great point of spirituality in your life? You said, disqualified me. Well, what did you do? I just, well, you see, somebody did it for me and I just believed it. Somebody did it for me and I just said, okay, I'll take that. Thank you. 
Glory to God. I take it. I believe it. And because I believed it, I received it. And therefore, even though I got, I mean, I couldn't talk about this long list of stuff that would disqualify me. The one who qualifies me has no recollection that I did any stuff that would disqualify me. He only remembers one thing. He's got voluntary amnesia when it comes to everything else. It's not that he can't remember it. He just chooses not to. But he remembers one thing. That Jesus, his son, died on a tree for me. And he was righteous. And all the sin in my account went on to him. And his righteousness got in my account. Now, can we have a little more fun with this? Go to Esther. You say, what what on earth is an Esther? Well, you'll find out. This is Esther chapter 4. Now, this is talking about that that moment where Esther was going to go ahead and approach the king. And uh, if you've read the book of Esther before, you understand that there's something about the protocol by which he would need to go. And if there was, uh, if she didn't go according to protocol, she was risking her very neck. Now, so this is her explanation of what the protocol was. Are you ready? All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces. Oh, actually, go back. Go back. We're not there yet. All right. Stay right there. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court to the king who has not been called, he has but one law, put all to death except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter that he may live. So if the king takes his golden scepter and holds it out, you're good. If the king does not hold out the golden scepter, access denied. (laughs) Now, what are you talking about? The king holding out his golden scepter. What on earth does that have to do with anything? I'm so glad you asked. Hebrews chapter 1. But to the son, he, the father says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. What's that scepter of righteousness for? Because when we enter in to the inner court of the king, the king has his scepter of righteousness that he holds out. Because he knows by that very act, he is saying, this person is righteous. This person belongs here. This person does not have access denied, but rather access granted. Glory be to God. And I remember I was reading Hebrews one day and I thought about that, the the, the scepter back there in Esther. And I thought, Lord have mercy, Jesus is holding out the scepter of righteousness. Let me know that I can come in. Let me know, yep, yep, you're all right. Now, 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 uh, he can only hold that out if I really am righteous. He can only grant me access if I really am righteous. And I got to tell you, sometimes... It just takes some faith for you to look in the mirror, knowing where you've been, knowing your messes, knowing your, your, your good and your bad, your pretty and your ugly, and you look in front of that. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. And you got something in your head saying, what about that? And oh, definitely, what about that? And you say, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Because here, 
Now, now we, we can go and, and talk about righteous deeds as well. But right now we're not talking about righteous deeds. We're talking about the righteous status. Because you see, if you don't have the status, you ain't going to have the deeds. And if you had deeds, they wouldn't mean anything. Because like we said before, you, you wouldn't try to be bearing fruit without having the root in place first. But, but, but the, the fact that your status with God is one of righteousness right now, not when you get to heaven, not someday in the sweet by and by somewhere yonder over on the other side, but right now in this life, in this time that you already have been made the righteousness of God, that that is yours. That is your current status right now. You see, you can contrast God's way and man's way. You see, religion says we do the work and God accepts it and then we get the credit. But real Christianity says that God did the work. We accept it and he gets the credit. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Rather than us doing righteous acts that earn our righteousness... Now, righteous acts are a result of our righteous nature. You know, as the Bible says so well, that, that we're not saved by works in Ephesians 2, but then right there in Ephesians 2, right there in the same chapter in verse 10, it said, we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. If you put good works first, you'll never accomplish the status of being able to have right standing with God. But once you get right standing with God, then you can go ahead and do something right. Hallelujah. Now think about this. We've been uh, made partakers of the divine nature. The Bible teaches that. Second Peter chapter 1. We're going to skip over Ephesians 4 back there just so y'all know. But, but Ephesians 4 lets us know this. That the new man, the new creature. How many know you're a new creature? The, the, uh, if, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. So this new person is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness, which means the new you uh, has, has a nature in it that the old you did not have. And, and the, the nature of the new you is righteousness. You're a partaker of the divine nature Meaning you're, you're partaker of the righteousness of God. This is not, like I said before, this is not refurbished. This is not uh, 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 something that was done over. No, this is actually the very same righteousness that God's got that is now ours. But also that, that as new people in Christ, that we're, this new creation was created this way. This new creation was created with righteous DNA. In our new man. Glory to God. And I I use that term DNA not as a physical term. But just to describe the the content of the the new man. The the, the, the new you. Your your recreated spirit. Created in true righteousness and holiness. But how does God get this free gift to us? And I want to go ahead and just... uh, have a little fun in our last few minutes here and talk to you about a, a word in the Bible uh, uh, that, that it's one Greek word, but it's translated in several English words. One is impute, one is account, one is reckon. But, but the bottom line is that God is taking this and actually putting it into your account. As Pastor John has taught us in times past, uh, uh, he's... He, he, he's putting this in, in the ledger. <laughs> uh, that, that this is literally an accounting term and that God, as far as our account is concerned, has took our sin into his account. And he didn't have any. Only, only place he could get some was from us because he didn't have any of his own. But he became sin. He took our sin. But what did he give us? His righteousness. And, and, and look at this in Romans chapter 4 as we get ready to wrap up tonight. 
Romans 4, starting with verse 1. It says, What then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. There's that word, accounted, which means to, to reckon or account or even to compute or calculate. So Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. That went, that that was credit to the righteousness column. And that very same thing is quoted over in Galatians 3, 6 and also James 2, 23. And back in Genesis 15, it's quoted there as well. Verse 4. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. There's that word accounted. That's the same Greek word we're talking about here. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes, same word, righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Now let's go down to verse 20. Same chapter, we'll go down to verse 20. So verse 20 of Romans 4 says this. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, still talking about Abraham here, but was uh, strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully convinced of what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him His faith was accounted to him for righteousness. You believe it? You believe it? There, righteousness in the account. Now listen, verse 23. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed, but also, the beginning of verse 24, but also for us. Say also for me. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. Think about this, that God Almighty and how he does this. I don't have to figure out how he does it. I just know he does. That's what you say. Okay. You just simply believe that God knows how to take my account. Which, not, man, I'll tell you, we're talking about having negatives in your account. I mean, liability. Yeah, I'd call sin a liability. I'd call all the junk that we had as our old creature before Christ liability. And, and, and the fact that God himself could give us his own righteousness, credit it to our account. It was not there. As a matter of fact, there was no plus in the account. There was deficiency in the account, not sufficiency in the account, but that God could take his very own righteousness and put that into our account so that now when, when, when the judge of the universe looks at our account, he said, hmm, good rating. Why? Because it's the same rating that the very judge of the universe has himself. This is not a different righteousness. This is the very same righteousness and that God actually looks at us that way. You believe? There it is in your account. Now, if God's going to look at us that way, what are we going to do to start looking at ourselves that way? And that's why we're going to look at one more verse tonight. That, that's using that same word that is translated as imputed or accounted. And, and, and we're going to look at Romans 6. And we're going to see another English word, but ultimately it's that same Greek word that, that's been talked about in the way that God puts things in our account. God's put righteousness in our account as a believer. But now Romans 6.11 says, likewise, you also reckon. See that word reckon? That's the same word as impute, the same word as account. So this is God telling us to, to put something in, the, in, in this column, shall we say. Reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, 
but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now look at this. Reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now what's the problem? The problem is that so many of the times when we fail or we have a rough day or something doesn't go your way, you can easily reckon yourself the totally opposite of that. You can get the columns mixed up and say, well, but based on the day I'm having, I feel pretty dead to God today and pretty alive to sin. Anybody ever had that day besides me? Please raise your hand. Make me feel better. (laughs) But God says, despite the day you're having and despite the way you might feel or despite... Whether you were on the the naughty or the nice list that day, that if you're going to look at yourself in a certain way, you're going to have to look at yourself in the same way God sees you, agreeing with God and putting things in the right column here. You're not going to ever look at yourself again as though you're dead to God because you're not dead to God. You are a spiritually alive man or woman. So you will not look at yourself any other way, reckon yourself any other way, put yourself in any other uh, column except this column. This is the way you will see yourself. Reckon yourself dead to sin and alive to God. Well, it feels the opposite. Well, that's all the more reason to reckon yourself this way. Well, it certainly didn't feel like that. I certainly didn't act that way. That's all the more reason. To reckon yourself this way. Glory to God. Because you know what? Your spirit's there, but you got a a mind that needs to be renewed and a body that needs to catch up. But the bottom line is that righteous is who you are. Righteous is the way God made you. That is the status that you have. And now that the root's in place, we can start having some fruit. Which is why next week we get to talk about sanctification. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Let's pray tonight. Father, we honor you. We bless the name of Jesus. We thank you so much for the spirit of God and the word of God. And Lord, we pray that that you've, you've done what we asked you to. That you spoke to hearts tonight right in the way they needed it. Lord, we thank you for this in Jesus' name.